0: Second Sunday of Lent Prayer Psalm 116 I kept my faith even when I said I am greatly afflicted. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His faithful ones. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the child of your servant girl. You have loosened my bonds. I will offer to you a thanksgiving sacrifice and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord.
1: Reading the Word First reading, Genesis chapter 22. After these things, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moria, and offer him there as a pent offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son. Your only son from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sown, says the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will indeed bless you and I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore And your offspring shall possess the gate of their enemies. And by your offspring shall all the nations of the earth gain blessing for themselves, because you have obeyed my voice. Second reading, Romans chapter 8. What then? are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us, he who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us.
0: Gospel, Mark chapter 9. Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter says to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. For they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son. They beloved, listen to him. Suddenly when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead could mean.
1: Hearing the Word Obeying God The second Sunday of Lent focuses on the theme of obedience to God's will. The word obedience comes from Latin and means to listen intently. Listening intently to God calls for our being attentive to the diverse ways in which God reveals himself through persons and events, with the invitation to respond to his presence and guidance. The first reading contains the strange and shocking story of the sacrifice of Isaac. Having given Abraham a long-awaited son, God makes an incomprehensible demand that this gift be returned to him through human sacrifice, when he says, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and offer him there as a bent offering. This demand might shock an unwary reader, as it appears to portray God as a bloodthirsty deity ordering the killing of an innocent child for no apparent reason. However, we must remember that the biblical stories are intended to instruct and inspire. This story is in fact intended to show that Abraham was truly and utterly obedient to God. The story's true meaning comes to light when we consider its historical and cultural context. The biblical writer wrote this story, reacting to the Canaanite society of his day, where the sacrificial killing of children was a common religious practice designed to please their gods. The Canaanites lived alongside the Israelites for many centuries. Their highly developed culture and religion were always a source of temptation for for the Israelites, who were so impressed by their neighbor's way of life that they often abandoned their own practices and beliefs outlined in God's law and adopted foreign ways. The author of Genesis, through the story of the obedient Abraham, instructs his readers that the God of Israel condemns all types of human sacrifice. For this reason, Isaac is spared and Abraham's obedience and faith are praised. The author thus teaches that true religion does not involve human sacrifices, but consists in faith, trust, and obedience to God's commands. Abraham's faith in God's unconditional promise to make him the father of a multitude of nations is shown through his willingness to do whatever God required. Even At great personal cost, the story affirms that it is such obedience that brings about the fulfillment of God's promises and not the religious ceremonies involving bloodshed as practiced by the Israelites' pagan neighbors. In the second reading from the Letter to the Romans, Paul concludes his extensive argument on righteousness by faith as a way for people to be brought into an unbreakable union with God. In this conclusion, Paul reassures his readers about God's love manifested through Christ's death and resurrection. Identifying this love as the reason behind all God's actions. This love also guarantees the future salvation of the believers. His argument takes the form of a series of rhetorical questions. If God is for us, who is against us? Who will bring any charge? Who is to condemn? Naturally, the answer to these questions can only be a resounding no one. Paul skillfully leads his readers to recognize that God's love expresses itself in and through his irrevocable and unbreakable commitment to them and their salvation. Paul discloses that God manifested his love and commitment through his son's self-sacrificial death on the cross. Paul consistently interprets Jesus' death as an act of obedience as seen in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, where he writes that Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Here, Jesus' obedience does not imply blind submission, but a conscious choice to do what is necessary to make salvation possible. For some mysterious reason, known only to God, to make resurrection possible, someone had to just subject himself to death in order to conquer it by rising from the dead. Jesus willingly accomplished this great act with God's approval. God gave him up for all of us, like Abraham on Mount Moriah. God also was willing to give up his beloved, so that through his willing obedience, salvation could be offered to all. The Gospel reading from Mark narrates the scene of the transfiguration, which took place on a mountain top. In the Bible, mountains are the places for encountering God, places of revelation. Accordingly, Jesus reveals who he truly is on a mountain. The word transfiguration comes from the Greek metamorphosis, which means change. Jesus changed his appearance to demonstrate his identity as a divine person before the three witnesses, Peter, James, and John. The transfiguration was a special and privileged moment for Jesus and for the disciples. The father himself confirmed Jesus as his son in the presence of the disciples and before Moses and Elijah. The two iconic figures of the Hebrew Bible will represent the law and the prophets. Thus, Jesus' divine identity was publicly confirmed by the greatest authority in the presence of the human witnesses, representing the Old Testament and the disciples of Jesus. Furthermore, at the Transfiguration, it became clear that Jesus was to be the suffering Messiah. For this reason, Mark blessed this event at the midpoint of the gospel, just as Jesus began to make his way to Jerusalem and towards his death there. The event also followed the bold proclamation of Peter concerning the identity of Jesus as the Christ, Mark chapter 8, verse 29. Significantly, immediately after these important affirmations, Jesus, coming down from the mountain, instructed the disciples not to tell what they had learned about him until after the resurrection. This means that he fully understood that his mission as the Messiah and the Son of God involved his the self sacrificial death with the aim of the resurrection. Thus the glorious event of transfiguration on the mountain top can only be fully understood in the light of the events that were about to unfold on another mountain top, the hill of Calvary. On that second mountain, Jesus would reveal himself in the most complete manner as the Son of God and the suffering Messiah, willingly fulfilling his role as the Savior through an act of obedient self-sacrifice. The Transfiguration was, therefore, a prelude to Calvary showing Jesus as the one who listens to God's voice, understands God's purposes, and acts accordingly. Entering deeper into the season of Lent, the liturgy presents the theme of obedience as the key factor in bringing about the fulfillment of God's plan of salvation. Abraham was asked to make an unthinkable sacrifice. Thanks to his unreserved obedience, he became the ancestor of all God's people. Paul taught that God's love achieves salvation through Jesus' obedience acceptance of the way in which salvation can be accomplished through his self-sacrifice. The gospel confirms Paul's insight and reveals Jesus' self-understanding as the obedient son of God through his own words to the disciples regarding his resurrection. Obedience to God, therefore, appears as the key and necessary attitude for all who are willing to play their part in bringing God's salvation to fruition, both in this world and in the next. Those living in willing obedience to God and God's ways can truly exclaim with the psalmist, O oh Lord, I am your servant, the child of your saving girl.
0: Listening to the Word of God This Sunday of Lent calls for reflection on the theme of obedience to God. Obedience implies surrender to somebody else's will and guidance. Such a surrender can be fruitful and life-giving only if we trust that the one whom we obey has our best interest at heart. In most traditional African cultures, obedience to parents or elders was understood as the source of blessings and long life, precisely because the intention of these authorities was to provide the best future for their young. The same applies to our obedience to God, which leads us to two important reflections. First, we realize that Obedience to God must rely on the experience of God's love. Abraham's story shows that he first experienced God's guidance and love in the journey to the promised land and in the promises God freely made to him. Abraham responded to these experiences with total surrender to God's will. Thus, it was this experience of God's unmerited love that led Abraham to obey his commands unquestionably. The same applies to us today. Love precedes obedience and grace comes before duty. Contemplating Jesus and his self-sacrifice during Lent may help us to realize just how great is God's love for us. When we appreciate how much we are valued and cherished, then obedience to God's commands and following His ways will become a natural response of gratitude rather than a grudging compliance. Next, Abraham's example teaches us that obedience is built on trust and is costly. God promised Abraham that he will be the father of a great nation. The old patriarch trusted that promise, and indeed, it was fulfilled in his only son, Isaac. When God demanded that this gift, the son, be given back to God, Abraham's heart must have been broken and he must have been utterly confused. Yet, in his confusion, he trusted that God knows what God is doing. He overcame his doubt because he trusted God. In the end, his act of obedience did not lead to the loss of his son but turned into a great blessing. All too often when asked to make sacrifices we we'll pull back and jealously guard what we consider our rightful independence and freedom of action or legitimate rights. During Lent we are asked to make sacrifices precisely for the sake of training ourselves in trust and obedience to the one from whom all that we have comes, God. Inspired by the example of Abraham, we should reflect on our ability to make sacrifices and think of what we need to let go of, to grow in trustful obedience to our Lord. During his life on earth, Jesus showed himself to be the obedient son. He came to earth as the divine son and was utterly focused on completing the mission given to him by the father, the mission of salvation. This mission required the greatest sacrifice, that of his life. He made this sacrifice willingly out of his love for the people, but also because he experienced the love of his father who called him his son in the presence of witnesses, thus revealing his love for Jesus. As we journey through land, we are reminded that, like Jesus and Abraham, we are special in God's eyes and that each of us has a mission to complete. We can obediently and successfully carry out this mission when we carefully determine what that mission is and then trustfully respond to the God who loves us. However, like Jesus and Abraham, we must also be willing to make the necessary sacrifices and take the difficult decisions that will result in blessing for us and for the others.
1: A child who does not listen to his parents listens to the vultures. Action. Self-examination. What is the mission that God has given me to carry out in this life? Have I willingly accepted it in trustful obedience What sacrifices do I need to make to bring blessing into my life and to the lives of the people closest to me? Response to God During this week, I will begin each day with a prayer of thanksgiving for God's love and ask for the gift of wisdom to discern and respond to God's will. Response to your world. Obedience demands sacrifice. I will make one concrete act of sacrifice during this week. One that will be in line with the teaching of the gospel and benefit me or somebody else spiritually. As a group, we will identify a service that we should perform to benefit someone or a group in spiritual or material need, we resolve to make the necessary sacrifices and carry out what is required as a sign of our obedience to God's will. Heavenly Father, we offer you our sacrifice of praise and we worship your wonderful name. We ask you, Father, to accompany us as we continue our Lenten journey so that we may be good listeners and doers of your word and be obedient to your divine inspiration. Jesus, our Savior, intercede for us with God so that, like you, we may be obedient to God's will and fulfill it in our lives. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.